Now, if you give your close attention to Joy as she reads uh, our passage for this week. Good morning. Are we on? Yes. Um, the scripture reading this morning is from the book of Jude. Um, in the Pew Bible, the, red, the blue Bible, in the seat underneath the seats, it's page one three. Excuse me, one two one three. Or if you go to the book of Revelation, just go back a page or two, and you will find it. Okay, the letter of Jude, beginning at verse 17. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Joy. Hey, did you guys see the fight last night? Anybody know that there was a pretty big boxing uh, ordeal over in Europe? That's probably why I didn't see it. But anyway, uh, there was a guy named David Hay, who's kind of this up-and-coming boxer who was going to fight Vladimir Klitschko. Okay, write this down. Don't fight anybody named Vladimir. Just, you just don't do that. Um, but anyway, it's pretty exciting because this David Hay has been working his way up. He's been jumping weight classes and, uh, he's been doing really well. So people were really excited to see him go up against this big Ivan Drago type, uh, Vladimir Klitschko guy. And, um, they were excited because David has a fairly interesting way of, uh, preparing for fights and he kind of has an interesting pre fight routine. Uh, he does things that most boxers don't do. Like, for example, he likes to run sprints uh, while most boxers will run long distance to try to build up their stamina. Most boxers will uh, use weights, but he has a very sophisticated, interesting weight training program, which is fairly different than most boxers, so that's interesting. Um, he eats. This guy eats seven meals a day. Not several, seven. Okay? So he's eating all day long. And then probably one of the most interesting things is... Uh, most boxers, before they're about to go try to pound on somebody, will listen to pretty aggressive music. And David Hay likes to sit back and listening, turn on the easy listening station and just kind of rock out to like, I don't know, somebody easy. But anyway, um, he, he, likes to, he likes to relax. He says that the fight is hectic enough, so he doesn't feel like he needs to do that. So he's got these, these interesting ways of getting ready. And you know what happened? All of these very interesting and unique uh, ways of training, you know what happened? They failed him miserably. He got beat up by Vladimir Klitschko, uh, and it was a unanimous decision, and he lost. So moral of the story is, okay, yeah, A, don't fight, fight people named Vladimir, and, and two, B, where are we here? Uh, the second thing would be that, you know, <laughs> 
We need to understand. I'm totally lost here. Hold on a second. Where did that go? Um, Oh, here's the moral of the story. Um, If you're going to fight, don't trust in weird, modern, unique uh, ways of, creative ways of trying to prepare to fight. Go with old school, time-tested, proven methods that make sure you're ready for a fight. The type of things that Vladimir Klitschko did. There we go. Now we're on track. Okay, so last week we talked about contending for the faith. We talked about our own type of fighting. Okay, that we need to protect Christianity, that uh, there are false teachers who slip in from time to time, and they will try to change what we believe. They will try to change the gospel, and we need to protect ourselves from that. And so last week we were focusing on why we need to contend for the faith. This week we want to focus on how we contend for the faith. And the, what we're going to look at is Jude lays it out very simply for us, some old-fashioned, time-tested ways for us to be prepared and for us to protect ourselves from false teachers. And then he also, in an amazing way, shows us how to pursue others who have been affected by false teaching. So let's jump right in. Uh, let's, we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 25. We're basically going to walk through them verse by verse. Verse. Look at verse 17. The first thing we need to know when it comes to uh, protecting yourself or protecting ourselves from false teaching is uh, to remember that we've been warned. Look at verse 17. He says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their ungodly desires. There's a warning. And Jude is reminding us of that warning. We see that warning in other places. Paul says similar things in 1st and 2nd Timothy. Peter says stuff like that in 2nd Peter. Jesus warns, of, warns us of false teachers as well. And so that's, it's pretty simple, but we just need to keep that in mind. We can't get naive and think, oh, nobody would ever try anything like that here. This is UPC. And again, we're not trying to call anybody out. We're not worried about there being a false teacher. But we're not impenetrable. Okay? It could happen. And so we need to be remembering that. It needs to come to your mind from time to time. Now, uh, don't get obsessive about it. Don't be thinking about this all the time to the extent that somebody says, hey, can I show you something in the book of Galatians? And you're like, hold on, I have a 38-page checklist that we need to go through to make sure you're not a false teacher first. You know, that would get a little awkward. Um, but remembering, calling to mind that there are false teachers, and we need to be aware of that. So that's number one, remember. Number two, we need to learn how to recognize false teachers. And what's really great about Jude is he tells us how to do that. Look at verse 19. He says, talking about these false and immoral teachers, these are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. That's, he's saying, by the way, that they're not believers. If you do not have the spirit, you are not a believer. They are professing, they claim to be believers, they claim to be Christians, but they're not. They do not have the spirit. And so what we need to realize is uh, we need to see what's happening. We need to see how they work. And what he says is they're divisive. Okay? And it's very interesting how he does this. If you look at this logically, to start from the back, it all makes sense. If they don't have the Spirit, if they don't have God's Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, which he says they do not, then all they can go on is their natural instincts. Okay? And their natural instincts are broken and sinful because of the fall. And so there's going to be some opposition there's going to be some antithetical things in their hearts compared to what God wants for them. 
So no spirit. They can only go on their natural instincts. And therefore, they're going to cause division. Makes sense. If someone is teaching something that is in opposition to what God really wants, then some people, the true believers, those who know their Bibles, who are prepared and equipped, are going to recognize that and they're going to divide. They're going to step back. They're going to say, we don't, I can't follow you. I can't listen to your teaching anymore. That's where that division comes in. So when we're talking about recognizing false teachers, we want to be looking for people who are rejecting authority, as Jude says in other places in his book, and they're divisive. They're trying to divide people. Now, Jude tells us to remember what the apostles have said. And so another thing going along with the Spirit would be if they don't have the fruit of the Spirit, or if they don't have the Holy Spirit, then they're not going to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And if you know from Galatians 5, you know, Paul tells us that those who have the Spirit will exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So if we have a life group leader, an elder, or somebody who's not exhibiting these things, that should raise up a red flag. We should be thinking, now, why, are these fruit of the, why is this person not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? Again, not trying to spawn any witch hunts here. We're not worried about anybody here. It's just we need to be prepared. We need to think about this. But that's the thing. If, they are, if there is somebody who's trying to teach you, but they are not patient ever, or maybe they're very unkind, that should raise a red flag in your mind. Okay, now, let people have a bad day, okay? Uh, you can't exhibit all the fruit of the Spirit every single day of your life. If you're at your life group and your teacher kind of snaps at you, he's not very patient, don't be like, false teacher! You know, you don't have to react like that. Um, sometimes people are not patient, but on a regular basis, do you see the fruit of the Spirit in that teacher, in that leader, okay? So, remembering the warnings, we're recognizing false teachers by the fact that they don't have the Spirit. And then, here's a big one recommitting to learning. Look at this, verse 20. But you, dear friends, rebuild or build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that first part first. Dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. And like we talked about last week, when he's talking about faith, he's not talking about your personal faith in Jesus. He's talking about the faith, everything the Bible teaches. And he's saying, be active. Build yourself up in the faith, which means know your Bible. Learn the Bible. Know it. Know what it says, where it says those things. Know your theology. At at our church here, we really have a passion for seeing people biblically and theologically literate. Okay? We want you to know your Bibles. We want you to know theology. And that's why we work really hard. We've got a great children's program. We get, we're working really hard. We've got a great middle school, high school program. We've got college stuff. We've got adults. We've got a lot of opportunities for you to learn. And the question is, are you taking advantage of those? Because let me just shoot straight here. Some of you aren't. Okay? There are some of you that only come to the worship service. Uh, there are some families who come to the, the, the adults will come to the worship service. They send the kids to Sunday school. And... This is not safe, okay? What I want, what we want to see, what the elders of this church want to see is uh, all of us here for both hours. All of us, we go to a Sunday school class and we're learning, we're growing. No matter what the topic or what book is being taught, we're, we're taking advantage of any opportunity that's afforded to us to learn. And then we're also coming and we're worshiping together. That's, that would be awesome. So let me encourage you, if you are among the, the group that usually only comes for one hour, 
in the fall, when we go back to two, let's all do it. Let's all do it knowing that Jude is telling us to build ourselves up in the faith. And that is a great way for us to do that. We not only want to be built up in the faith so that we can protect ourselves from false teaching, but also so that we can be a blessing. The more we know our Bible, the more we know our theology, the more we're going to be able to be out there and being a blessing to people. But here's focusing on what we're thinking about today. Um, It's a lot harder for a false teacher to prey on a person who knows their Bible. It's that simple. It is a lot harder for a false teacher to prey on a person who knows their Bible and knows their theology. So let's recommit to learning our Bible and our theology. Uh, The next is uh, verse, the rest of that verse, he says, and pray in the Holy Spirit. So we want to be requesting God's help through the Holy Spirit. Okay, requesting God's help through the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting phrase. Pray in the Holy Spirit, he says. It's not unique to Jude. Paul says things like this in Ephesians 6. Uh, he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions um, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Here's what he's saying. Think about and acknowledge the fact that as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Okay? Remember, he has just told us that these false teachers do not have the Spirit. But you do. And so to pray in the Holy Spirit is to be well aware and acknowledging that it is the Holy Spirit that is telling us we belong to God. He is the one who connects us to God the Father, to God the Son. He is the one who hears our prayers and takes them to the Father, the Holy Spirit. We need to have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit and trust that the Holy Spirit is helping us and praying to Him. Here's here's a question. Uh, Before last week, when's the last time you prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to protect you from false teaching? It's not something we think about all the time, but Jude is saying, pray in the Holy Spirit. And along the lines of what we're thinking about here, pray and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill my heart, protect me from false teaching, help me to see the difference between false teaching and good teaching. That's an important thing for us all to do, to request God's help through the Holy Spirit. And then finally, remaining faithful. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep yourselves in God's love. He's not saying that Jesus earned God's love for you and you have to keep it. Okay, that's not the way he's coming here. Uh, He makes it very clear in verse 1. If you remember, we talked about last week that we are called, we are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. So when it comes to keeping God's love on us, that's Jesus' job. When he says keep yourself in God's love, he's saying keep yourself in and around where you experience God's love. So keep yourself involved in church. Keep yourself involved in Bible study. Keep yourself involved in fellowship. Keep yourself involved in serving people in need in our community. Because you know it. You know it and I know it. That when we are doing the things that we're called to do, When we are remaining faithful, we feel God's love. It's there. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself doing the things that you know God is calling you to do. Because when you do those things, you end up giving him all the credit and all the glory. You feel his love. And you're that much more secure in the fact that he does love you. So he's not telling you you've got to keep God's love. That's never going away. He's saying to you, to me, let's keep ourselves involved in the things that help us understand 
God's love better, that take us deeper into the gospel, and that take us out to serve the world. Okay, so, so those are five things. And if you don't normally take notes, I would encourage you. This is, this is easy five things to be remembering. And um, I really want this to be something we think about because UPC is a great church that has not been subject to false teaching, but we've got to keep it that way. Okay, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but we just got to keep it that way. So, so Jude gives us these five things, or one, two, three, four, yeah, is that five? Five things that we can be thinking about to protect ourselves. There they are. Now, he also tells us how to pursue others uh, that, are, that have been affected by false teaching. But before we jump into that, I have to do something for the nerds. Um, there are a couple verses in here, and maybe not just the nerds, but I'm a nerd. Um, and that's okay, because God loves me. But um, there's a couple verses in here that are sort of confusing. And when we read it last week, or when you've read it in your own study, you may have been like, ah, I don't know what's happening here. Like, look at verse 9. Uh, in verse 9, he says, But even Michael, uh, the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. And you may have been reading that and been thinking like, uh, Boy, I sure don't know my Old Testament because I do not remember where that is. You might know your Old Testament because that's not in there. Okay, That's from a different apocryphal writing. Uh, then verse 14, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men, and then he writes out this prophecy. And you may remember the character Enoch is in the Old Testament, but that prophecy isn't. And so the question is, what's Jude doing? Why is he quoting these books that are not Scripture? Okay. And what I'm going to tell you, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, what I'm going to tell you is that he is using them to make a point. He's using the stories that these Jewish Christians would know very well. They knew both the Old Testament and these what we call apocryphal writings. So he's just using these to illustrate and to make a point. Simon Kistemacher is a professor at RTS, and uh, this is what he says about these uh, verses. He says, even though uh, Jude cites an apocryphal book, he provides no evidence that he rejected the book or that he regarded the book as Scripture. He used this document because in the two centuries before and after the birth of Christ, first Enoch was a well-known and highly respected volume of religious writings. Okay, so he's simply using these things that they would know about to make a point, to make an illustration, and that's where we should let it go. Because the reality is, if you want to dig further and try to figure out if there, if there, you know, is there some sort of inspiration of those books and all that stuff, you can dig all you want, but that's another issue. Plain and simple, However you view these verses, it doesn't change the application of Jude's letter. So we're just going to stay on target here and look at the application of his letter. Okay? Uh, if you're concerned about these verses, send me an email. We can get together and get some commentaries out and nerd it up, and it'll be fun. Okay? But other, outside of that, we'll just move on. Okay. Now. So we've got five things to do to protect ourselves from false teachers. Now we need to look at the fact that Jude tells us there's three types of people who have been affected by false teaching, and he wants us to know how to pursue them, okay? Three types of people. He says that there are people who are doubting. There are people who are doubting and actually beginning to sin a little. Maybe they've got a false teacher who's teaching them to do something immoral, and they've started to get involved. And then there are people who are doubting, sinning, and even beginning to influence other believers. So let's talk about these. Uh, Look at verse 22. He says, be merciful to those who who doubt. This is huge. What we need to understand 
is that some of the people in our lives that may be doubting Christianity, it may be because they've been led astray by some sort of false teacher. And therefore, we shouldn't beat up on them and get mad at them. And and we should be merciful and gentle with them and help steer them back to the truth. Okay? Uh, They may have been taught something that's causing them to really question. And here's the thing. Uh, Doubts don't usually present like this. Somebody walks up to you and says, I have doubts. Please help me. Okay? That's not the way it works. That would be easy. Doubts show up in the way someone will say, hey, I read this book and uh, it said some very different things than I'm used to, but it was interesting. Or uh, there's this guy that I met and he was telling me these certain things and kind of saying it was okay to do these certain things that I always thought were wrong, but so I'm not sure. Okay, these are, that's how the doubts are going to present. And that's when we need to, instead of saying, oh, what are you doing? Get away from that person. Forget about it. You know, what's wrong with you? That's not the route to take. Jude is saying, be merciful. Be patient with them. Say, let's look at the Bible. Let's figure this out. Okay, so there's people who are doubting. We need to be merciful and gentle. And then look at uh, verse 23. He says, snatch others from the fire and save them. Snatch others from the fire and save them. He's not talking about the fires of hell. Only Jesus can save somebody from the fires of hell. He's using a metaphor to say that these people are not, they're doubting so much that they've actually begun to dabble in some sort of sinful behavior and they're going to get burned. So he's saying, take some action. Do something about it. Get in there, talk to them. Maybe you can even identify the person who's leading them to do these things and ask them to kind of step away. Maybe put a little distance between them for a little while so you can work it out. You need to be active here. If somebody is beginning to sin, beginning to follow an immoral teacher and doing immoral things, that's when maybe talk is enough. We want to, we want to actually approach them, talk to them, see if they need some help. Okay, so that's the doubting and the sinning. And then the last would be uh, the other others. He says in the rest of verse 23, to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And here we have people who one commentator says, those, these are those who have moved far enough under the influence of godless leaders that they are actually becoming dangerous to the faithful. The reality is when someone's being led in false teaching, eventually they're going to get so deep that they're going to probably start trying to influence you as you try to help them. So he's saying, show them mercy, but be afraid. Be careful. Okay, take a friend. Something like that. And he's talking about this hating the clothing that's stained by the corrupted flesh. Remember, Jude is writing to people who really know their Old Testament well. And so what he's referring to here is uh, Zechariah 3, 3 and 4. You may know that Joshua, the high priest was standing before the angels. Um, and this is not Joshua of the book of Joshua. This is a different Joshua. But if you were to turn to Zechariah 3, 3 and 4, it says, Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin. I will put rich garments on you. So there's this imagery of sin being these filthy garments. And basically what Jude is saying is hate that sin. Don't let that sin become tolerable to you. Hate the sin that they're getting into and show them mercy, but be careful. Be careful. Okay, so those are our three different types of people. Now, um, I do want to say this, that someone asked me after the service last week, they said, "Um, are you going to tell us 
when we should go approach a false teacher? And I said, yes, I am. And here's the answer. Never. Not you. Let me explain. Uh, There's nowhere in the book of Jude where Jude tells these people to go after false teachers. But I would say that as we see scripture as a whole, and there's a very common theme of shepherds and sheep, that the pastors, the elders of a church are shepherds, and the, the congregation are sheep, okay? It would be very wrong if a sheep was talking to it well a talking sheep we're talking about a metaphor here um it would be wrong for a sheep to say to a shepherd i'm afraid this person is a wolf and for the shepherd to say well do you let me know how that goes okay that would be wrong and so what i'm saying to you is in the event that any of you have any fear that there is a false teacher among us at some point you don't go you don't have to go talk to them you don't have to bring it to them remember these are ungodly people without the spirit they may retaliate so let that come on me. You tell me. You tell Mike and you tell Seth. You tell one of the elders, the, one of the men that God has called to shepherd this church. And we will get our shepherd rod and staff and we'll go to work and we'll get it figured out. But don't you risk that for you. Okay, let us take that risk. I don't, we don't want the retaliation either, but we would far rather have it on us than on you. We're your shepherds. We'll take care of business. Sound good? Okay. Um, so, here, so here's what we've got. We've got Jude teaching us that there's basically five things to make sure we're doing to protect ourselves from false teaching. And then he tells us about three different types of people, three levels of people that, that are being affected by this false teaching and how to pursue them. And then he explodes into this doxology. Look at verses 24 and 25. This is one of the most beautiful doxologies or just blasting of praise for God in all of Scripture. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. I mean, is that not beautiful? Is that not just amazing and compelling? I just absolutely love Jude's doxology here. And I was thinking about it. It's very interesting to me that Jude talks about false teachers, tells us how to persevere, tells us how to pursue those who have been messed up a little bit by a false teacher, and then he explodes into this doxology. And you know what it is? Because he's looking at what he's written and he's realizing now they're going to be prepared. Now they're going to be able to pursue people who have been affected, and he can't help but to say, praise God, praise God. It's like this. Uh, My son Noah is two years old, and we, Hannah and I have been talking about uh, when we're going to finally get him in some swim lessons. And it was months ago I was talking to some guys that were suggesting that if you do uh, put them in swim lessons, you've got to make sure that the people really know what they're doing because of what happened to his friend. He had a friend, this guy I knew had a friend, and um, he had his family, his wife and his few kids. One was a little daughter, about two and a half, three years old. And she had taken the swim lessons. Um, but they were in, in Michigan, and it was really cold. There was snow on the ground. The water in the lake that they were near wasn't frozen. But they were walking along this lake. They were at a place where they were a good 10, 15 feet up above the water. And in this freak accident, this little girl slips, and she falls down into the water. And the father does whatever he can, to, as quickly as can, to actually get down there to help her. Well, he gets down into the water, and he can't see her. He can't find her. Now, she was wearing, you know, a whole snowsuit, you know, and a hat and gloves and everything. And so 
They're look, he's looking around frantically, looking for a calling her name. The, the, his wife is still up on the ledge yelling, and they're trying to figure out where she, they think she's gone. And then they see this splashing about 25 yards out in the lake. And it's her. And she's just kicking away on her back. And so her dad swims out there and he gets her and he brings her back and he's hugging her and kissing her and he's saying, oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. And she's saying, Daddy, I couldn't find the wall. Daddy, I couldn't find the wall. You see, she'd been trained. They'd put her in this program where what happened is they would put her in the pool and then she would learn how to come up to the top, turn on her back and kick until she felt the wall and then she would grab the wall and hold it until somebody could come and get her. So she's in the water kicking her little feet, her beautiful little feet, and she's, she's safe because she had been prepared. And so what happens? What happens when somebody realizes that God saved somebody by making sure they were prepared? Doxology. Praise God. Praise God. That's what that man was saying. That's what that wife is saying. That's what Jude is saying. He's looking at this letter. He's about to put the closing point on, and he's thinking, now they're going to be prepared. Now they're far less likely to be hurt by a false teacher, and they know how to pursue people. Praise you, God. He says, to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen? Is that not beautiful? Because reality is, we're the little girls that have fallen into the water, except we don't know how to swim. You and me, we sink right to the bottom. Except for the fact that our Lord Jesus came after us like that Father. And He put Himself on a cross, and He took your sin and mine, if you believe, and put it on His back, And now we are reconciled to the Father. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us confirming that every day. That causes us to praise God too. So, in a moment we're going to get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Where our Lord Jesus who sacrificed himself shares himself with us. And gives us spiritual nourishment and growth and grace. So, before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and we give you praise that you've given us, your servant Jude, to tell us how to protect ourselves and how to pursue those who've been affected by false teachers. We do pray that you would sink all of these things down into our hearts and that we would uh, use them for your glory, Lord. We thank you so much that you are the one who is able to keep us from falling. We thank you so much that you, Lord Jesus, have taken away our sin. We thank you so much, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who lives inside of us and tells us all the time how glorious our Father is and how much He loves us. So would you be with us as we go this week? Help us to be a blessing to this community and to the world. Help us to run to our neighbors and to the nations with the gospel. And we pray now that as we are about to receive the Lord's Supper, that you would bless it, that you would use it to grow us spiritually, that you would help us to commune with you, and that you would help, help us to be more like Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.